0: We would love to hear from you, our fab listeners, about what's working on the podcast. What do you want more of? And are you inspired? Please go to astoryinside.com backslash survey and help a girl out. Let us know.
1: A lot of women aren't taught, right? We don't learn. How do we pitch something? How do we sell something? How do we convince somebody, you know, to invest in this idea?
0: Welcome to you should write a book about that. I'm Kim O'Hara, a book coach with a story inside and I'm interviewing fascinating people from all walks of life with a story to tell. Do these folks have a best-selling book in them? Stick around and find out. I met a Sutra's owner and CEO, Stephanie Morimoto at a Chicago business women's event on Zoom. I don't think we would have met otherwise, so our connection was definitely a benefit of COVID. And we connected right away when I found out she'd been thinking about writing a book, but wasn't sure yet about what, which is of course one of my favorite challenges. She credits her entrepreneurial spirit with her grandfather who had been incarcerated in a World War II internment camp for Japanese Americans and then worked his way through college and medical school to build a successful ophthalmology practice. She's an avid gardener and preserves 30 pounds of peaches each summer to eat throughout the Chicago winters. That is fierce canning, I must say, Stephanie.
1: (laughs) It is, it is, but we like our peaches during the summer. It's so good to have you here.
0: Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy business building schedule to spend time
1: with us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to the conversation. Now, I was really touched by your story about your grandfather, and
0: I was really, really impressed, and I know that this had an impression on you, about how he chose to be in the National Guard with the very country that had imprisoned him. Why do you mm-hmm. think he did that?
1: Gosh, my grandfather was a very special person. He truly lived by the golden rule. He really believed that you should treat everyone the way you want to be treated. And so I think there was just a part of his spirit and his soul that was very kind and giving and loving. And for him, it was a way to you know, serve his country. I think Mm. stepping back, looking more macro, there was also a real sentiment among a lot of Japanese Americans at the time who had been incarcerated in these internment camps during World War II that they needed to do everything possible to demonstrate their loyalty to the United States. They wanted to show they were American, right? And I think I've, I've got to believe that was also part of it.
0: Wow. It's just amazing. This country, we've moved so far in some areas. And then in other areas, it's like, it was, it's right. It was just right behind us, you know, like it's Mm -hmm. breathing. It's still, I could feel it like on the back of my neck, you know? And then you saw what your grandfather built despite, you know, his, his, his troubles and his internment, And with that sort of energy, you headed into 12 years in the nonprofit education space, which is a very give back kind of profession, raising (laughs) $500 million for two large nonprofits. What was your special gift with these successful fundraising experiences?
1: I think a few things. one, obviously, I really believed in the mission of what we were doing. so the the main purpose of the bo- of the two education organizations that I was raising money for was to get every kid access to an excellent education. Mm. and we did it through recruiting and training great teachers and recruiting and training great principals and superintendents. So all the people who are responsible for designing and delivering that education to children. And a lot of that passion for the mission came from my own experience. You know, I grew up in a town called Joliet, about an hour southwest of Chicago, going to what I would call mediocre at best public schools. You know, they were fine, but they were definitely not great. And It's funny, you know, you don't know what you don't know until you get exposed to other things. So I got really fortunate and I got into Brown University, which is where I went to college. And there my eyes were opened. I met a lot of people who had gone to fancy prep schools and private schools, which I expected. But what was more shocking to me was meeting kids who had gone to amazing public schools, and they had a fundamentally different educational experience than I did. They had AP classes in every subject. They had ceramics and pottery. I mean, it was just a completely different echelon than what we had in Joliet, where we had one AP class. And even that was not taught so well. I mean, my senior year of high school in my AP history class, our homework was fill in the blank worksheets. Oh my God. That's like second grade. Right. Right. And, you know, and we had we had metal detectors because a kid got shot at a basketball game at my school. So, I mean, it was just it was just so eye opening to think about all these kids I went to high school with who were super smart and talented, but frankly, just didn't have access to the right teachers or guidance counselors and therefore the right opportunities. And then to go to a place like Brown where so many of the kids had had so many opportunities and so much access to things. And so that personal experience really drove me to do work to make sure that every kid could get what they needed and really had an equal shot at a great life. So again, I think passion for the mission was a big part of it. Mm -hmm. And then I really had access to some great mentors. I got to work with and watch a lot of excellent fundraisers do what they did best. And they invested the time in teaching and training me to be my best. So being able to access those mentors and learn and apply, what I was seeing was also really great.
0: So you could pay that exactly. forward too. And, and you could teach other people and you could show other yes. people. And I love that you came from this, you know, saw sought- Firsthand for yourself. I grew up in Rhode Island. So I oh, okay. know Brown very, very well. Um, I went to like a Brown spring weekend where a new band okay. called REM played. Okay. So like I mean, I'm <laughs> aging myself, but like seriously, in high school, I mean, we would climb the fence and go to these like college, you know, events. And I was in private school. There was there are so many private schools undergrad in Providence for some reason in this tiny state. And the reason why is our public schools in these little towns like Warren and Bristol Mm -hmm. and Barrington were like so bad. It was like lucky kids went to school. Never mind. I mean, forget graduating. It was, it was like, it was like horrific. It was it was horrific. And so There was such a radical difference in the state that I grew up in. And and I wonder now if it's still like that. And I wonder how many other states are like that. Did you see the needle move with your work?
1: Yeah, unfortunately, there are still a lot of states that are like that, I would say. Um, But there were definitely places where there were bright spots, right? You look at a Washington, D.C., for example. And while there's still a lot of progress to be made They consistently improved academic achievement across all their public schools for eight years in a row, right, Mm -hmm. with the right leadership. And this is eight years during I was doing it, so I'm not as tapped into that now. New Orleans is another example. After Hurricane Katrina, they had to rebuild everything in the city, including the education system. And that actually gave them the mandate to reimagine what public schools could look like in New Orleans. And they were really creative in how they rebuilt those schools and how education was delivered to kids. And they also saw tremendous progress uh, after they remade the system. So I think it's definitely possible, uh, but there's still, unfortunately, a lot of disparity as well.
0: And what do people from your perspective, what do they not understand the most
1: about fundraising? The most common theme I've seen is people jump to tactics too quickly. They Mm -hmm. jump right into how much should I ask for? And how should I, you know, how should I structure my pyramid of different asks and donation levels? And really what you have to start with is what's the story you're telling? love that. It's very similar to what you do, Kim. I love that story (laughs) you're telling because people respond to people and people respond to great stories.
0: Who doesn't want to live a pain-free life? I know Venus Williams loved Sutra's magnesium products for pain so much. She contacted owner Stephanie Morimoto to get on board. I'm in love with so many parts of this company's products like their yummy yoga mat spray that we are offering our listeners 15% off through March on your first order. Just go to asutra.com, that's A-S-U-T-R-A.com and enter books at checkout. And now back to our amazing guest. You also work in Chicago with women of color and having them access Traditional services, microloans. Where do you find women, despite having like a great idea? And I know so many women that have like the greatest ideas tend to falter when going for money.
1: Well, if you look at a lot of the data, unfortunately, women and particularly women of color have a really hard time accessing capital. You know, when you think about it, people who invest in businesses, whether they're small businesses or startups, A lot of them are white men Mm -hmm. and, you know, they tend to invest in people they know or that they get connected to in their networks. And a lot of us tend to have networks that look a lot like us. So that's a big part of the problem. And, you know, I would also argue there is still a lot of a lot of sexism out there, uh, particularly in the world of investment capital for business. Because a lot of men are the investors, I've also heard from a lot of women entrepreneurs, you know, they're trying to solve problems for other women. So, you know, that might be very specific around, say, menopause, or it could be broader and could be applicable to men as well. Maybe it's skincare products or health and wellness products or something that helps parents. Mm -hmm. But what I've heard from a lot of women entrepreneurs is they'll go and pitch to largely male investors and the men just throw up their hands and say like I don't under like I don't get this I don't understand this I don't have menopause right right, exactly even though they're probably a dad they're like I just don't understand this I'm gonna have to go ask my wife or my daughter or whatever is this a good idea so there's all these sort of like small barriers I think that happen and then a lot I think there is an educational component a lot of women aren't taught right we don't learn How do we we pitch something? How do we sell something? How do we convince somebody to invest in this idea? Uh, And so I think that's a lot of it as well. But interestingly, there's also data that shows that investors who invest in women-run companies actually get a better return over time.
0: Oh, wow. We love those statistics. And
1: you you actually bought
0: what you call a, a Sutra... A women's product
1: company? Would you call it that? Yeah. So, I mean, Asutra is all about what we call active self care. Our mission is to help people take care of themselves on purpose so they can take on anything. And a lot of our core shoppers are women. We're roughly about 70% women, 30% men customers. So, we definitely focus on serving women in part because. Our mission is also about not feeling guilty mm-hmm. in taking time to take care of yourself. And I think we as women often do feel guilty setting aside that time to care for ourselves. We're so trained to take care of everybody and everything before ourselves. And we at Asutra are big believers, believers in saying, no, no, no. Self-care isn't selfish. It's important. So we do focus a lot on women, but we also find that men really respond to what we're doing as well. You know, they need to take care of themselves on purpose too, so they can be their best. And some of our products, like we have topical magnesium that helps with pain relief or recovery after exercise or natural sleep aids can help anyone.
0: Yes. And and I think that that unisex component is so important because, you know, then people that are couples or parents and their parenting, they can, they can practice that self-care together and then that permeates in the home. And then that teaches the children to care for themselves. And so it's a, it's a win-win situation with the sutra, as far as I'm concerned. And you are a leader. I mean, you came in and you saw this company um, you saw this proof of concept and you know, you decided I'm, I'm a, I'm a customer, which is, I'm starting to find as a theme, like things that you're passionate about are things you've actually (laughs) experienced, which is the best way to be a leader, really, because it's organic, right? It's organic. And then you can get behind it at the end of the day. So you're, you're in this leader, leadership position. If you were going to write a book and we talk about writing books, um, as a leader, What would be five successful tips you would give someone who's interested in buying a business?
1: Yeah, so one, I really, I am a believer. I'm so glad you brought out that theme of Mm -hmm. I do things that I'm passionate about because I've had a personal experience with them. Yes. Being an entrepreneur is really hard. (laughs) You've gotta do everything, especially as a small business entrepreneur. One minute, you're thinking big picture strategy and how to get your brand out there more. And the next minute, you're running to the post office, out customer products. Running out of paper
0: clips, right. It is
1: really a a wide range. So I share that example to say, I personally think it's super important that if you're going to go buy a company... It has to be something that you really believe in and that you're passionate about. And as you said, for me, I started as a customer of a sutra and then found out it was for sale and bought the whole business. So that would be tip number one. Tip number two, I think it's really important to define your North Star goal and create a plan on how to get there, but also recognize and be flexible enough to know that you will probably not reach that North Star the way you initially planned. So, you know, for us at Asutra, as an example, again, our mission is active self-care. Our North Star is we want to reach as many people as we can with that mission of active self-care and the products that help them elevate their self-care routines. We want to be accessible to a large number of people. And you know, originally our plan was to both grow our direct-to-consumer e-commerce, which is the bulk of our business, but also double our distribution in bricks-and- mortar retail. Well, with a global pandemic <laughs> and retail stores shutting down? That didn't make sense anymore. It was not very good timing for that plan. Yet we saw people flocking to our site online. And so we pivoted and said, all right, we still want to be accessible to as many people as possible. It's just not going to be through your local XYZ store. It's going to be online. And so how do we make sure that that online experience is awesome for everybody that does it? Um, Three, build a great team, right? I mean, even as an entrepreneur, you're doing everything from paper clips to strategy, but you can't do everything on your own. So you really do have to build a great team. And my philosophy with hiring has always been, okay, what am I good at? What am I strong at and love? What are the things I'm not so good at, but that are critical for this organization or business to thrive? And how do I find and hire people who are smarter and better at me than those things and bring them onto the team and really give them a sense of ownership so that we're all rowing in the same direction? Fourth tip I would share is also build a strong culture. For me, that starts with core values. So what are the core values that define how you want to treat each other as team members and how you want to treat your customers or clients? One example for us is the core value of one team, one goal. Mm, So we're a small and mighty team at Asutra. And we literally have a board up in our warehouse that has our core values outlined. We have it in our employee handbook that you get with onboarding. And sometimes it's really busy or sometimes there's a big new partnership launching and it has to be all hands on deck. And we expect our folks to all chip in and make it successful. And they do because they know that if they've got something going on, you know, somebody else on the team is going to have their back. hmm And then the last tip I would share is have fun. (laughs) I think, you know, this ties back to the first tip, which is if you're going to buy a business, choose something that you're truly passionate about and ideally have experienced yourself. I mean, there's so many things that are tough about being a small business owner and entrepreneur that you also have to make sure that you're doing something in an arena and with a team of people that's fun because you've got to enjoy it, otherwise it'll just be a slog.
0: Those are great, those are amazing tips and so incredibly spot on. You know, I'm like going through my own company while you're saying them, you know, and thinking about, okay, I need to like, do some some writing about this. What are your favorite (laughs) products going into the 2021 catalog that you think people are really
1: gonna need coming out of this tough pandemic year? Yeah. So I would say there's a couple that we currently have that just are perennial best sellers. And I think will be key for people going forward. You know, we've seen just in general, both at a sutra, but obviously we follow wellness trends overall. People are really looking for things to help with stress relief and creating a sense of calm. And they're also looking for things for sleep. So yeah, our, um, we have a line of magnesium healing products, bath flakes, sprays, lotions. And one of our consistent top sellers that we can barely keep in stock is our magnesium body butter. It's called melt pain away. It's this really rich moisturizing shea butter. It has magnesium, which creates a sense of calm and helps with muscle cramps and recovery after exercise. And then a little capsaicin, which is derived from the chili pepper, So it creates a nice warming feel. And so if you massage it onto like sore neck and shoulders, it helps warm it um, and relieve that pain. And it's a favorite of global tennis icon, Venus Williams, who is also an Asutra user and part of our team. And then I would say the, um, the other perennial bestseller is our silk sleep mask set. So it is a silk eye mask filled with lavender and flaxseed. So it creates like a weighted sleep mask sensation on your face and people love it because it is um, a blackout mask as well. It's great to obviously have dark and the lavender scent for sleep. So people like it for themselves and they also love to gift it. So I think those are two things to really think about for next year. And then we've got some great new products coming down the pike too. So, you know, I hope folks will follow us on social at asutra.life or check out our site uh, so that you can find out about those new products when they launch.
0: Absolutely. And we will definitely be putting the website in the show notes. And, you know, I was just thinking how far well wellness products have come, you know, back in the day. In my early twenties, when I had, you know, really bad, you know, back aches or stress aches, you know, I would go to, you know, uh, Chinatown and get this like tiger mm-hmm. balm, right? Yeah. And That's- this stuff would like holy hell if you put too much of this on like you are feeling it for weeks like you could wash this stuff off you know and if you touched yourself in the wrong place forget it i'm not even gonna yes. go there yes. but you know i mean so thank god for a sutra okay that we don't have to suffer in this way anymore everything you described sounds so lovely thank you so much for coming on the show today it's been such a pleasure having you
1: thank you so much for having me i love the conversation
0: you've been listening to, you should write a book about that. If you enjoyed our episode, tell a friend to listen, subscribe and review on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And a big shout out to our listeners on CastBox, where you can leave a comment and I will personally respond.